Copen and Copenhagen, Copen and Copenhagen, Copen and Copenhagen, Copen and Copenhagen. This is a podcast about hanging out in Copenhagen. With the rich man. Hello, welcome to the Sick Show, Copen Copenhagen on ninety-seven point seven FM. My name is Owen, and of course, I'm here with the one, the only. One that I know anyway. Yeah. Marius! I am the only Marius in the world. Sure. I will... Fight me for that? I mean... <laughs> potentially. Potentially. <laughs> You're listening to The Sick Show. Copy on Copenhagen. This is your modern guide to living in the city of Copenhagen. Yes. Uh, Marius. Yeah. I, 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 I've I, got a question for you. Yeah. On this episode... Wait. You want to know what I have for breakfast? No, you had cornflakes. lovely... You text me. You text me at eight thirty, saying you're having cornflakes. I did unnecessary text. Great cornflakes. What I want to know is what's coming up on this episode. Oat. Tell me now, sir. Oat milk. I had a bit oat milk. <laughs> on the show today, we we will kick it off with the news roundup. Yeah. Three stories hot off the 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 uh, uh, Copenhagen Post press. Nice. Wow. Uh, then we have a uh, an interview. Uh, we were supposed to have him last week. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, got caught in a drum circle, uh, which happens. Was he? Caught in the middle of a drum circle and he couldn't break out of it? Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. Be uh, careful, they're vicious. They... A vicious circle? Vi- ah! <laughs> Stay tuned for more of that. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. We're going to talk to Sean Riza Ali, and he is working for uh, uh, IMS, which is uh, International Media Support. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, he will tell us about what they do. It's an organization founded here in Denmark, but they work uh, around the world uh, helping journalists. Very cool. Yes, Very fascinating cool. interview with him. Yeah. Um, then we got some hot tips, and uh, we're going to call that a show. We're going to call that a show. That's going to be the That's show. That's going to be the show? Yeah. Right, let's get it started then. You're on sick. Excellent. So, um, I know we're probably all a bit tired of this, but it's... Are you going to talk about your sofa again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh there was a, I had a person who said, "Oh, I listened to this because I asked him, so what podcast have you been listening to?" And he said, "Well, the last one was your show about that sofa thing." <laughs> so he listened all the way to the end. Oh, respect. <laughs> Thank you to Max out there. Thank you, Max. You know who you are. Uh, um, just for just for clarification, if you missed last week's episode, we spent a good 10-15 minutes talking about Marius's new sofa. It is a nice sofa. We though. shan't be doing that again this week. What <laughs> is the news, Marius? The news. So yes, the COVID update. Uh, uh, that's what we're talking about. Let's just get that done get with. Get it ripped um, up, then. Yes, because <laughs> there was uh, some new restrictions uh, introduced uh, this week. And that's going to affect uh, restaurants, bars, cafes in uh, 17 of the municipalities uh, in uh, the uh, greater Copenhagen area. Okay. Um, so, yes. Now you're going to have to wear a, a mouth uh, diaper, I was about to say. <laughs> What's it called? A mouth? A mask. Mask. A mask. Just a mask. <laughs> Don't try to be fancy. Sorry. Just say the words. I wasn't. Mouth diaper <laughs> is not fancy. I hope we could agree on that. I thought you were looking for something poetic. I'm just. It's a mask. It's because in Danish it's called a mouth. Gay bit bit. in dance. Mund bit. A mouth bit. A mouthpiece. Yeah, something like that. So and I, my brain always have to sort of because I'm reading this in Danish. <laughs> I have to back translate it. It always. It's, I can't remember what it's called in English for some reason. Mask. Mask. <laughs> But that's like a f- yes. Anyway, Just that's not important. The important bit is that now restaurants, bars, cafes, um, 
when you're standing in the bar as a customer, you're going to have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. So will the uh, person Staff. serving you. Yeah. Yes. Um, furthermore, uh, and this goes for restaurants, bars, cafes. Uh, furthermore, um, they're going to shut down sort of uh, nightlife. They now have to stop at 10. So, um, yeah, they're really pulling back. And uh, this uh, is from today, today. Thursday, yeah. and uh, so far uh, it's gonna be uh, yeah uh, for 14 days, so up until the first of October. Um, I gotta say, with with everything we've gone through, this particular okay, I've been talking to people in the service industry lately, but uh, this particular change, there seems to be a real like melancholy about it this time around. People, yeah, people feel sad and depressed about this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mostly because they can't drink as much, I think. <laughs> but no, yeah. uh, no, I do think uh, sort of there was a whole "Hey, we're back," yeah. you know, kind of vibe, and uh, this is really, uh, yeah, pissing in that soup of of joy. Uh, <laughs> that's a great metaphor. Jesus, Marius, You're free to steal that one out there. <laughs> no, 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 just just say I came up with it first. Um, anyway, so yes, and I'm I'm actually a little bit sort of also curious or slightly nervous about how what the reaction is going to be from mm. from from the greater public mm. um cuz haven't been to a few bars and cafes and sort of people are not happy about this no. which is understandable because it's of course their livelihood and their uh, yeah finances uh, it's going to hit um and yeah it's not fun to wear a um a mask uh, mm. all the time um but uh, yeah it's this whole sort of we gotta take think of the greater society as a whole also I was talking to someone and they they made an interesting point they're saying that the numbers going up um uh I've correct me if I'm wrong but there have been more of a youth thing there's it's been in, in like younger people having it yeah yeah and this person made the point that if you're going to tell people to go home at 10 o'clock they're going to go home but they're going to go home in numbers they're going to go back to house parties Mm. And there won't be any care taken because twelve o'clock we were like okay the vast majority of us I think we're living with we're like twelve I can go with mm. I can I can have an evening have drinks go it was home. really nice for me it was like cool there's no there's no you can't stay out any longer yeah yeah, yeah I, yeah. Like, I okay, have to yeah. I have to stop drinking and get a night's sleep now that's yeah. like and um and twelve o'clock is in, I'm like it's not too early not too late it's like right that makes sense twelve mm. o'clock but people are going to want to do more at ten yeah yeah everyone's want to go to do more or people are just going to start drinking at two. <laughs> but but drink yeah I that w- I, if this was Ireland that's what would happen yeah 100% it would be absolute chaos till 10 o'clock yeah, yeah and yeah. then just pile onto the streets which is what happens now at two o'clock in the morning in Ireland because we we can drink till well, not now because everything's closed actually um Ireland brought out new rules uh, because this is also the Irish news podcast (laughs) the occasional Irish news podcast when when Owen's pissed off about something in Ireland the Irish news podcast Uh, Ireland brought out um, uh, new regulations this week and um, wet pubs as now is the common phrase for non-gastro pubs like just pubs okay right are allowed open again which they've still been closed because it was only I think I said to you before uh, pubs were open in Ireland but they had only if they serve food and you had to spend a hundred minutes I think it was and you had to buy a meal a substantial meal I'm doing quotations for uh, nine euro or above and that What? that meant you wouldn't get the virus <laughs> okay. yeah yeah so they, they were the rules yeah spend more yeah yeah okay. virus virus is afraid of cash yeah, so yeah. no but but that, that was the rules for pubs right so now they're opening general pubs except for Dublin 
because the numbers are going up in Dublin and pubs in Dublin are closed. And there's a little part of me because I, anybody listening who's Irish or lived in Ireland will understand the term culture. And culture is anybody who isn't from Dublin. Okay. Dublin <laughs> thinks it's the fucking centre of the universe and everybody outside it is a culture. And there's just this nice little smug moment where all the culture are like, We're going for pints tonight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dublin. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, Ireland's fucked. Yeah, okay. um, speaking of uh, fucks, we'll get more about coronavirus. Me, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. There's uh, there's more. Um, so, sort of, this, I don't even know if this is necessarily corona-related, but the mayor, Frank Jensen uh, of, of Copenhagen, yeah. he is considering now introducing a ban on alcohol sales. Um from uh, sort of uh, kiosks or supermarket as an example so they would have they couldn't sell alcohol after 8 p.m. so wow. that's something they're considering um because uh they say there's been an increase in sort of uh, violence in in the the nightlife and sort of just general sort of uh, noise and people being yeah, yeah. you know pissed off there Their tits, uh, roaming the streets and causing noise. Um, so that's something they're considering now. He's considering introducing a ban on this, hmm. um, or at least getting it up for a, a vote. Did you uh, say 8 p.m.? 8 p.m. That's very early. That's very early, yes. Uh, they're even also sort of considering or suggesting introducing uh, noise patrols uh, and park workers who can sort of hand out fines to people who, who are not sort of... Uh, following these these potentially new restrictions, we're we're, we're not in Sweden. This is yeah. No, this I'm also gonna, like this isn't going to go down. No, this is not going to go down well. <laughs> no, um, and yeah, I, I don't. I'm not experiencing this. No. I, I I will gladly say I do not sort of frequent the normal sort of uh, strips in Copenhagen where the the loud like the, the more crazier. So I can't really speak on it, but. But it's not something I've heard in the media either that there's been an increase in violence. No, or no, I, I, I wasn't aware of it. Noise being sort of, or people being more rowdy than usual. Like so, yeah, I'm wondering a bit what what where this is coming from. It, But it is getting a lot of support from from uh, so some of the organizations uh, within sort of the greater Copenhagen area, okay. um, sort of who are like, yes, people are loud. <laughs> But then it's fucking you, you, you. It's a choice also to live in the center of the city. Yeah, there are gonna be you know yeah, yeah. more noise. I think I think that there's just something really beautiful about finding yourself at two in the morning, three in the morning, as it, well as it used to be, out and about, and then just popping into a Seven Eleven and getting a can of classic. Yeah, you know, just a, a can for a walk home. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, know, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how I feel about that. That's, no. Um, no, no, like no. if if you were to correlate with COVID reasoning and stuff like that, and be like. Closing, stopping drinking at I don't know. I, I don't know actually because should you take should you make any judgment on it? Um, yeah. But I have not heard any anything about a rise in violence or anything like that. No, no, me neither. And from experience, uh, actually, no, never mind. I was going to talk about Australia, but I do that a lot as well, so I'm not going to. <laughs> Aussie news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we we will venture a little bit uh, across the pond now. Oh. In, in uh, the the last, or maybe actually not across the pond, because he does not uh, reside there anymore. So we think. <gasps> Who could I be speaking about? I don't know. I really don't know. Edward Snowden. Ah, ah. he was. Th- he's definitely not across the pond. No. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He, he was known to be in Russia. Yeah. 
But uh, and yeah, I, I think he is. But uh, he's he's been very secretive about it. But yes, the, the the general perception is that he resides in Russia. Yeah, true. Uh, but uh, I read an article about Edward Snowden being uh, surprised. And, for his uh, birthday? What, 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 what? <laughs> that no one showed up for his <laughs> birthday. <laughs> no. Um, no, he's not surprised um, that uh, NSA, uh, the sort of the, the, the most powerful intelligence agency, uh, has a top secret uh, collaboration with the Danish uh Forsas Efterretnings change the the defense yeah our NSA basically mm-hmm. uh that they're collaborating about sort of uh yeah just tapping the fiber uh optic uh, cables uh here in on Danish soil to yeah. to take all the data not mm-hmm. only f- the, all the data so for Frogen Jensen and the the you know the average Dane mm-hmm. they're also getting all their information yeah, take yeah. it this is not what he's su- surprised about what he is surprised about is that uh uh um, uh employee of the Danish uh, sort of um intelligence agency has uh, been gathering documents just like he did uh, mm-hmm. for the NSA uh um sort of uh, with similar sort of being sort of this um, employee uh, had discovered some some yeah stuff he thought this is not sort of legal basically mm-hmm. um And he, instead of, as Snowden did, went to sort of uh, the Guardian and other newspapers, he has, uh, this man has gone to the authorities. To the government, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and not to the press. Mm -hmm. And uh, Edward Snowden is saying this is uh, truly uh, extraordinary uh, that a whistleblower um, has such a strong faith in the system. Um, And he says this could only happen in a society with with a high level of trust. Uh, and he's saying this as a as a compliment, mm. uh, and um, yeah, he only believes this could happen in a place like 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 Denmark or a similar sort of country like that. Um, but the, the, but it, it it's worked. There's an official being yes. uh, has been I, I, definitely been questioned. I don't know how far it's gone, but he's uh, been seen five as uh, five okay five people have been sent home. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's a direct translation. <laughs> <laughs> You've been sent home. <laughs> Oh, it's all building up to something great there. Yeah. <laughs> They've been fired. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, you, for for withholding information to the government and uh, that 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 they knew that this was actually happening, right? Yeah. That they yeah. didn't tell the the Danish government. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, a little uh, little uh, encouragement from Edward Snowden there, saying you guys you guys got something good going there. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Finally. Oh yeah. Uh, there was a fire today. Thursday, uh, the 16th. Yeah. In uh, Nabo on Mimaskel uh, in an apartment. Uh, so uh, if you uh, experienced that the road was blocked by police, this is why. Um, the building uh, was uh, evacuated. The, the road is, as far as I could read, still blocked. But, you know, the fire has been uh, managed and they're sort of just slowly letting uh, sort of the fire die out, as you do, I think. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just thought I'd throw that in there because... Uh, <laughs> That so was like, some news. <laughs> if you yesterday when you're listening, like, you're listening to, it, to this podcast today. So yesterday, if you experienced something, that's why. That's why. <laughs> yeah. No. Public service announcement. Announcement. That is that is that is good of you, man. Yes, that's good of you. That's it, what I'm it is for. about Copenhagen, Copenhagen. Yes, even if it is in retrospect. Oh, Dim's uh, news. Thank you very much. Check out the Copenhagen Post for uh, articles of that nature and much, much more. Uh, if you've clicked on the Copenhagen Post link, welcome. Welcome. Welcome very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Here's the thing. Maybe three, four weeks ago, we had Nature Tales on. Yeah. Very interesting organization. They they held this amazing event on a Sunday with mm-hmm. everything from 
Well, okay, what was the, the vibrating they had dance a vibra floor? Vibra acoustic dance floor. Yeah, like some amazing stuff happened. Really, really cool guys. And we one, st- we still need to go experience that. I'm, yeah, yeah, I yeah, really definitely. Want to do that, yeah. Uh, but we we were talking to uh, one particular gentleman uh, in that on that day, uh, Sean, and he was. We got talking to him afterwards, and he was a fascinating gentleman. He's mm-hmm. a lawyer, and he's been living in Denmark for quite some time. But he's recently working with an organization that I found very interesting. Yes, IMS. International Media, Media Support. Support. Yes. Now, this organization uh, helps uh, um, journalism, fun journalism in war-torn areas and uh, also uh, countries that are going through, uh, I think, maybe the phrase uh, political turbulence mm. would be would be accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is uh, founded in, in Copenhagen, or sorry, founded in Denmark, and its headquarters are here too. Yep. It has uh, over 30 different nationalities working with it, and it has... Uh, Operations all over the world. Mm. So we thought this was a fascinating um, organization, and we wanted to talk to Sean as soon as possible about it, which was last week. Mm. But he got caught in a drum circle. Yes, as you do. But in the end, we had a nice little chat about it. Oftentimes, we have a lot of spare drums, so you don't even need to bring your own drum. Sometimes we have a lot of people rock up, and then it's best to have your own drum. <laughs> BYOD. <laughs> <laughs> but after hearing about the drums, we asked him what he actually does with international media support. I am an assistant program manager mm-hmm. within the documentary film department of um, international media support. And that sort of sits under the Middle East and North Africa, but it also applies, like we also do documentary films outside of that region. And I'm also in charge of that. Okay. And so so that's sort of how I got involved. And what we do is uh, it's a Danish organization Um, it's based in Denmark. Most of our staff are here. We're 90 staff here and about 30 around the world. And we are the only NGO in the world, as far as I know, that is dedicated towards press freedom, supporting journalists and freedom of speech. Wow. Um, so Amnesty, for Amnesty, for example, do a lot of work with human rights and they obviously work for freedom of speech and press freedom as well. Mm-hmm. But they do a lot of other work as well. And, you know, Amnesty are a huge organization that, that work for human rights more broadly mm. and our specific niche is um working for good good journalism supporting free press and supporting good journalism so uh, um so the organization yeah. the organization was founded back in 2001 and uh, i was reading that it's 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 kind of in the aftermath of rwanda and and the where where uh, media had been specifically used um uh, especially radio and things like that for the actual um uh promotion of the conflict itself and the the actual genocide uh how do you go about finding these these media organizations and because there must be like an absolute array so sorry just to clarify it you specialize with within conflict and um political uh change is is that it Mm -hmm. yep So how do we find partners? Yeah. So we have, um, yeah, we have a lot of really good contacts in different regions. So for example, the head of the department for the Middle East or North, North Africa is a guy called Michael uh, Irving Jensen. And he has a PhD in Middle Eastern studies and is fluent in Arabic and has spent decades in the Middle East and working with the Middle East. And so he has a lot of contacts across the whole sector, really, across the whole region. Um, and so, so oftentimes it's through networks or contacts, um, with regards to documentary film in particular, there are a lot of film festivals. We often identify 
up and coming filmmakers through programs that we have. Uh, for example, we did an exchange of film students with the Danish Film Institute some years ago before I was a part of the organization. And through that, um, a bunch of young filmmakers came across from different areas in the Middle East to do this exchange. And then following on from the exchange, a lot of them have gone on to form their own documentary film houses or production houses, um, Tunisia, Morocco, Algeria, Lebanon, and uh, Egypt as well. Mm. And so then, then they write to us and say, hey, do you remember me? I say, yes. They're like, I have this proposal for a film that looks really interesting. We look at the proposal, we look at their budget, we help them develop the proposal and their budget and then organize for them to get fun some funding. Mm, cool. um, and a lot of the times we're, we're one of the co-funders. So for example, there was a, a documentary film called The Cave, which was nominated for an Oscar and it actually just won an Emmy as well in the States. Mm. Um, and it's about a it's about a hospital in Eastern Ghouta in, in Syria which was under siege for a long time. Yeah. Um, and this, hosp this hospital ended up going underground and the, the documentary follows the story of the leader of the hospital who's this young woman, um, a young female doctor and sort of the struggle of her in, you know, not only managing a hospital in the middle of a siege, but also being a woman in a society that is largely male driven and then being in a crisis and a conflict and humanitarian catastrophe as the icing on the cake. Very um, cool. Very it's a fantastic, cool. yeah, fantastic documentary. Highly recommend it. It's called The Cave, and we um co-funded it. And do you work in any? Because I'm sure there's also in some of these countries where these uh, journalists are, uh, they're they're in in a situation where there's no freedom of speech or they're speaking against a, a authoritarian state or a regime. In that sense, do you work in any sense of sort of with with um, ensuring their protection also, or or is that sort of a part of the yeah the definitely. work yeah. no we just throw them under the bus we just like yeah, go for it. <laughs> good luck here's the you money you're on your own here's the money <laughs> don't blow it all follow your dreams <laughs> follow your dreams no we um we have a yeah we have a lot of uh, safety training programs and we do yeah there are conferences that are around um you know good practices in difficult scenarios for journalists yeah um and then in in places where it's a lot harder for journalists to operate we also have like radio programs for example radio is still a really big part of our media in a lot of the quote-unquote global south mm -hmm. um and so and so we we support a lot of radio programs for example we have a program in yemen where we hire a uh, a, a therapist i think he's a is a psychologist And he comes on the air to talk about um, crisis, post-traumatic stress, and managing that in Yemen, yeah. which oh, is wow. you know in the middle of a humanitarian disaster. I think yeah, I, I, education and information and, and radio is such an easy way of of, of uh, sourcing these things, you know. And I, I think people forget how powerful it can be just to listen to a voice mm. and listen to a story through that. I think it's amazing yeah. that you're people are still using it in the in that manner. It's also a sort of an analog yeah. medium still in the sense that maybe it's easier to to block like a... F Access, uh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also, I mean, we've gotten used to being able to listen to podcasts or TV or have, you know, high high quality, high fast internet. Mm. But I mean, those aren't, those aren't things that are standard in a lot of places yeah. around the world. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and so the access to information is 
you know, it seems like it's, you know, but that's what our grandparents did in World War II. Mm-hmm. But access information is still largely through radio. Yes. But, but, but Sean, so we, we were talking about, okay, we've mentioned um, uh, film and documentary and uh, these these particular radio shows, but but also you're, you're supporting journalists uh, as well. So the, we're talking about people on the ground um, reporting. In, in today's day and age where there's so much happening, there's so many different sides, how, how can you scrutinize exactly what stories you're supporting? And, and because you, you work with, uh, like, uh, is it 30, 40? How, how many different nationalities are you working with at the moment? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how many, but there are there are a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe but 30 so, or 40 is a, is a good number. So, so how, do you, how do you scrutinize? Because <clears throat> there's so many stories that are coming out and there's so many sides to the, and in, in, in this yeah. day and age. It's a really good question, and I don't have a really good answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no, no, no. But um, but I mean, it's a question that I find myself often also asking in a day and age where you hear so many different conflicting things that all mm. equally sound authoritative and are based on, you know, good, solid journal-supported research, you know, peer-reviewed mm. research that say completely contradictory things. How do you know what to believe? Yeah. How do you know who to trust? I mean, how do you know which which source of information is the best? And I think it's, I mean, from my work as a photojournalist as well, I, I remember thinking at the time that perhaps the sources that are closest to the ground that that can be the most independent um, because of where they get their funding and, and, and so on and so forth, that are the closest to the horse's mouth, so to speak, mm-hmm. are those sources which you can trust the most. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe as a good starting point, but but I mean, even from that starting point, it's a long journey ahead to finding the the truth with a capital T in mm. some ways, if it exists, if oh, it makes sense. What about, so um, with, again, referring back to like working with so many different nationalities and cultures and the fact that um, international media support is based, it has a headquarters in Denmark, it, Do you find it difficult or is there is there a, a difficulty or a, a, a maze to work through with regards to a somewhat Western idea of, of culture mixed with uh, much more different cultures that you'll be interacting with uh, throughout your, your, your different projects? Is there, can, can things get a little bit skewed between yeah. cultural I- identity <laughs> and ideas? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of my big fears is that we, you know, that neo-colonialism comes out yeah. through yeah. the, you know, the global north and Scandinavia being the place that has figured it out in the world, mm. and then we can now give these answers to the rest of the world. Yeah, mm. yeah. Have our model of of Scandinavian progress, um, which is so so dangerous for so many reasons. Mm. Um, You know, I'm from Australia, so I come from a colonized country in a way, yeah. but I'm I'm a migrant from Pakistan along the way. So also been part of this wave of globalization in so many different weird forms. Mm. And I think I think honestly speaking, this is one of the strengths of international media support as an organization that it's incredibly multicultural. Mm-hmm. For example, my colleagues just in my office, I'm sitting with two Syrians, one Romanian and one Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Um And then, yeah, on the rest of the department, we have someone from Ukraine, we have someone from Eastern Europe. There's a guy who works in our building who's who's from Kyrgyzstan. I had never met anyone from Kyrgyzstan before I met him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have country offices around the world as well um, in some places. We have about 35 staff okay. based outside of Denmark. And I, I would say that I think it's that uh, acknowledgement of um, there needing to be diversity in yeah. the in the actual makeup of the staff, 
which can then contribute to allowing for different ideas that will come outside of the box that yeah. will challenge the, you know, the sometimes very square box that we have in Denmark. Um, yeah, just uh, allowing so many different voices and opinions to come through, you'll find like a sure. meme in the middle of all of that. Mm. Yeah, but but for it sure. did start yeah. here in Denmark. It, is that true? Did, yeah, our executive yeah our executive director is Danish. We um we get most of our funds from Scandinavia, so most of our big funding agreements are from Sweden, Denmark, and Norway. Okay, um, why why do you think it it started here? Do you, I don't. Is that's there a, a good question? <laughs> I I, th- I think um. Look, I'll, I'll take that to a question about the public sector and my experience. Uh, look, I don't have a lot. I haven't worked in the public sector in lots of different countries, but I have in Australia and and Denmark. Mm. And so, if I just compare those two, for example, I would say that um, Denmark is, for one, uh, wealthy enough that it's got a really strong public sector that's very well funded by the state. Yeah. Um, and that extends to Scandinavia in a way. That you know, the wealth of Scandinavia means that. If a percentage of that wealth is allocated as from its GDP, for example, towards humanitarian causes or charitable causes or the public sector, and that wealth is higher, then organizations are going to be better funded uh, here. And so I think there's more emphasis on on the public sector here than there is in Australia, if I just take that as a comparison. Yeah, yeah. And um And so I think that it's easier for it's easier for you know new NGOs to start up and find um funding and get off the ground and get support through through not just funding but capacity building across the across networks in Scandinavia um and so I think that's yeah maybe that's why it's based here yeah. I think uh, pro- probably or probably also because I don't know in depth the history of its formation um you know I'm not I'm not a I'm not into the the history as much, or I don't know it as much. Mm. Uh, but I think that it was also because some of our founders were were Danish journalists. Yeah. Um, and you know, and there's there are a lot of ex journalists or current journalists working for the organization, and so I imagine that the yeah that they would just happen to be yeah. Danish. So it's like people with the with this kind of right mentality in a place that will support it. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. What what's the kind of consensus within the the organization now um, in the kind of uh, post fake news kind of questioning the, the the battle against media in so many different aspects? What what's the kind of consensus in the offices of international uh, media support now? How, how what what's the opinion on what's happening now? The zeitgeist of that what that we live in. The emphasis has been on independence. So as hard as we can, we try to. Um, We try to ensure that the sources from which we get our information are as independent as possible, mm-hmm. and that's through that's through yeah, in, like examining their sources, their political parties that they're attached to or affiliates, their sources of funding. Um, when we when we choose a partner, we look at their institutional budget to see mm-hmm. where else they're getting their funding from, um, and there but, there are a lot of processes there around trying to ensure that, but, that but the even- money because. Oftentimes, that's where the influence comes from, right? But the money comes uh, yeah. from an independent yeah, yeah, source. Yeah. Okay, so but but even outside of the the actual uh, projects and organizations you're working specifically, do you do you see difficulty ahead for for media? Do you think people are going to have a harder time trusting it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even personally speaking, like I find it so incredibly difficult to know what is real out there and what isn't, and um, and what is true and what isn't, mm. and in in a world that is super saturated with information it's really yeah. hard to sift through it all to find what makes most sense 
Yeah. And I think I think that's the bottom line, though, that that search has to be for what resonates with oneself the most. Yeah. And perhaps it's not fully true, but fuck, what is fully true? Maybe if it <laughs> yeah, resonates true. with yeah. maybe if it resonates with you, then it's you know then it becomes quite esoteric and somewhat philosophical. But if it resonates with you, then maybe that's true enough. Hmm. And if if you feel like that truth serves you, and makes you a better human being, citizen of your country member of your community father brother sister whatever it is mm -hmm. then maybe that's good maybe that's good information and maybe you should trust that source mm -hmm. but then um, don't isn't that then I, isn't it because uh, i i think that's that's also kind of how the internet kind of works now like google will learn yeah. what you're you know searching for or whether you're left-leaning or right-leaning or yeah whatever your religious beliefs are and they will kind of feed you that information that you know Google and the rest of the internet thinks you want now, so you are kind of caught yeah. in this bubble yeah. now. So I I get what yeah. you mean, and and it is, I don't have any answers for how to how to navigate it. Um, yeah, but I think I mean, it's such well, a think, dangerous I mean, thing to also get stuck in your own little bubble and never sort of uh, yeah step out of that. For sure, which is which is why I think one one really good piece of advice I can offer maybe us or our listeners or whoever your listeners whoever Please. is listening, um, is disruption. Disruption, disruption, disruption. So take your political beliefs and your values and views and seek out the opposing political beliefs, values, and and read them and, mm, and yeah. engage with people who are advocating for them yeah. to break that echo chamber, you know, yeah. and shatter it and search for things that confirm a bias that you don't have. Yeah. Then, you know, then you're more inclined to give yourself a wider perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, you know, one of the problems with politics at the moment is that they become so, so echo chamber ish. And then we don't really listen to each other. Yeah. And then we become much more and more and more extreme down a path thinking that we're moderate when really we've become incredibly radicalized and haven't even realized because we have no reference point, which is the other side. Mm -hmm. who are also becoming equally radicalized yeah. to the left or the right or the conservative or the progressive or whatever it is. Mm. Yeah. And so I think um, I think finding a way to to challenge, being brave enough, I guess, to listen to that which really presses a nerve, triggers it, triggers it, triggers you, is um, perhaps one way of ensuring that you're getting as holistic a picture as possible. Yeah. How, how does, how does um, IMS ensure that they do that? Because I could see that that could be sort of a, a, a trap to fall into that sort of oh depending on and this is just me reading into what i'm asked but i but i look at an organization like this it's an ngo i'm like yeah. there's probably something i could get around and sort of support and like they're I'm guessing they're leaning a bit more left uh on the political spectrum it's just a guess and an assumption i make and i might be wrong but but I'm, how do you navigate and ask this organization? Do you also, or how do you ensure that you are sort of, yeah, not falling into either left leaning or right leaning, or yeah, in yeah. regards to sort of supporting yeah, at, journalists? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I can't, I, I can't speak on behalf of the organization in that way. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. I mean, I've only, I've only started there in February, so in some ways, I'm still very new to it as an organization as well. Mm. Um, and so without wanting to sound out of my depth, I think, um, I think that the organization does that by, yeah, maybe I'm saying the same thing, but by having a, a very diverse staff base yeah, 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 that, okay. yeah. That, in, that in itself contributes to lots of different opinions. And from everything I've experienced, senior management really listen to staff and really take into account what even, you know, even someone who's just started at the organization has to say. 
for example, not long after I started, I was elected as the vice foreman of our staff association, which is like a Melabitis for eating or like um yeah, the, the, the body that kind of, represents staff. Yeah. Employee union. Yeah. Um and um and you know, I had only just started there and and a lot of the more senior members of this of the association and other senior members of staff, when I expressed my hesitation at the fact that I was so new, said that that was precisely why they wanted me to do that role because I could bring ah, in fresh cool. fresh wow. a fresh perspective and fresh eyes. Yeah. And um and I've always felt supported since February in taking somewhat bold initiatives that I've taken. Um, that have been green lighted. I haven't met bureaucratic processes like I've met in a lot of other organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been really refreshing. And when I've come with, you know, a- a- around the time of lockdown and staff working from home and directives from senior management on how do we go about navigating this process now, uh, I've had some pretty radical opinions in like, maybe not, maybe not really radical, but just in terms of like going against what what the official line might be from the organization mm-hmm. and they've been met and heard and answered and discussed. And I think that's, um, that's a testament to a great organization that doesn't, um, For close sure. its eyes or become, become blinkered to is that, that which could be out there. Is, is, is there, is there, is there an underlining uh, Danish uh, aspect to, to that? Is, is, is that being, does Dan- Danish culture itself nurture this kind of openness and freedom? Or is it the, the fact that you have so many different cultures in the office space or in the workplace? Okay. This is a lot of personal opinion. I think there's an ideal in the Danish culture in inverted commas mm-hmm. of being open to new ideas and being really receptive to that, which is very different, but And there's a big but. I think that there's a lot of shyness and reservation at expressing that desire or at um, at, at cultivating a space that's safe enough to allow for variety to be to be to, to shine through. Yeah. I think mm. there's a willingness, but that willingness rests somewhat deeper down underneath the surface of the Danish way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And the surface level is somewhat impenetrable of being the Danish way and therefore in that way somewhat closed to new ideas but um but I think if you persist a little and if your ideas I mean there's also a lot of rationality in the Danish way that that are, you know that <laughs> without trying to sound nationalistic or racist that is sometimes attributed to being German you know that sense mm. of efficiency or thoroughness or practicality if it makes sense let's do it if it doesn't make sense let's not do it at all Mm. how can we be as efficient i think there's a little bit of that crossover in danish culture as well Mm. where if your idea makes sense and you can logically express it and and prove it in a way then even if it goes against that which has been in place for hundreds of years i feel like danes are more than willing to say fuck that then let's go for it that makes total sense yeah Uh, but there's a practicality to it um but that that does require that that whatever it is, opinion, viewpoint, culture, is expressed with enough strength or clarity or in the right way, in the right language, perhaps, you know, maybe it is actually in Danish before that's really mm. heard. Yeah. Um, I think that's quite true. Know, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you could, I think you could sort of, uh, those same thoughts, I think, apply to sort of trying to, as an uh, immigrant or an expat, making a Danish friend. Like, There's yeah. a, there's a surface you have to penetrate, and you can't just be hey you want to go out. You have to make a plan and pick a date, and there has to be some yeah. practicalities that kind of has to come first before you can actually sort of yeah get a little bit closer to them. Um, and there's also yeah, a language yeah. barrier and all of this. So uh, 
I think that's a yeah a, a good observation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Quite fair. Yeah, thanks. So and I yeah. th- I think most Danes also fall into that trap of like no we're super open mm-hmm. we're open and uh, up for change and. But we're also quite comfortable in 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 a very you know homogenized society and mm-hmm. like yeah uh, uh, tend to rest on our or yeah. laurels or not really want to push the boundaries unless you explain it to us in a really rational way and give us sort of a, <laughs> a chart and a time and a date and, and oh okay yes makes <laughs> perfect right, sense. Okay, yes. That, yeah. <laughs> um, Sean, uh, I see you. where the arrows point. Oh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, that way. Yeah. Sean, thank you so much for um, enlightening us uh, to, to this uh, fascinating and, and important organization that's right under our noses that I, I didn't even know existed. Mm. Um, if, yeah. if people wanted to learn more about um, I, IMS and and the organization or, or the projects you're you're working with, uh, how would they go about that? Yeah, mediasupport.org. That's our website, mediasupport.org. Cool. Yeah. Um, And there's a whole bunch of information on there about the different programs we have. Um, or you can also reach out to me. My email address is sal at mediasupport.org. Um, and I can forward you through to the, the correct channels if there's something in particular that you're interested in or want to hear more about. Um, yeah, I'll say that I also don't work in the fundraising slash comms department. So mm. a lot of what I say might be stepping on their toes. And if so, I apologize for that in advance <laughs> um, or or whatever else, because uh, there are teams set up to, to do this to kind do of thing. thing. And, I'm not, <laughs> and I'm not in one of those. So. Well, we appreciate, your, um, your, we appreciate your, your, yeah. you, you going the extra mile for us. Mm. Um, Sean, thank you so My much pleasure. for speaking to us once again. Thank it was pleasure. a pleasure having you on, on the My show pleasure. again. Yes. Um, you're Likewise, a fascinating gentleman. Yes. And um, you've, you've I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks. And I love your podcast. You guys are doing great stuff. It's <laughs> Thanks, man. Cheers, man. <laughs> Very good. We'll see you at a drum circle yeah. soon. Thanks so much to, to Sean for uh, speaking to us. Uh, truly, yeah, really important work being done there, yeah. uh, especially in this today's climate where media and news are, it's a fucking, it's a jungle out there. Yeah, no, I, I think it was, re- it was really cool to talk to somebody who's, who's, these these people who are really paying attention to what's happening and really mm. thinking about it well while, while the rest of us it's just happening to you know yeah, <laughs> I mean? yeah, yeah. and it's so important that they're fu- like funding and supporting and helping these like uh yeah grassroots uh, sort of yeah. journalists and media and do- documentarists like because as he also kind of said sort of uh, in order to navigate this media jungle we're in somehow and sort of get some kind of truth or whatever we want to call it Yeah, the the closer you can get to the ground and and get the information from the the horse's mouth, uh, yep. I think you said, yep. uh, probably give you a better chance of getting somewhere near the truth or a, a better perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, very very cool. And it's cool to 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 actually like highlight some of these organizations that are based here in Copenhagen. That I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, no I, I did not know there. it either. Same with uh, when we had the Human Library. Like that's yeah. also an organization that's been here for twenty years. Yeah, never heard of it. Yeah, it's part of why I love doing this podcast. I'm also learning. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Never been to Vesterbro, Marius. Never, he's never been there. <laughs> <laughs> What? Vesterbro? <laughs> There's only Nos, Ost, Nord, Ama, and that's it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, speaking of the places you can go, where should I go this weekend? What are Marius's hot tips? What should I be doing this weekend? On uh, September uh, the 25th to the 26th, there's something called Mycelia Networks. Oh. Do you know what mycelia is? No. That is uh, mushrooms 
the spores or sort of the 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 thing and the sort of I guess kind of like their roots. Yeah. Like a tree has roots. Yeah. They have like these mycelium spores that just runs and like I'm fascinated about it. Cool. But anyway, um, mycelium networks. Um, during mycelium networks, uh, artists, collectives, and organizations will reflect on the skills, uh, relationships, and tools necessary in order to survive current and future consequences uh, of the pandemic. How to organize and strengthen each other's uh, each other across uh, national borders. How uh, a revelation of uh, arts institutions' uh, fragility could lead uh, to a more sort of solidaric post-pandemic future. Wow. Yes. Okay. That was a mouthful. Yep. Uh, this is a symposium. It's free to attend at Fabriken for uh, uh, Kunst and Design, Art and Design, and will uh, also be streamed online. Uh, seats are limited, so please uh, RSVP to info 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 at ukk.dk. Mm. Um, I thought that sounded interesting for anybody who's like, you know, struggling in these times with uh, whatever arts they're doing or networking with people, which have been made yeah. more difficult. Yeah. Uh, I think this sounds like a cool event. Really uh, good. It's free and to sort of, yeah, um, discover sort of how how to get better at it during these uh, yeah hard times we're facing. So uh, that's on uh, September 26th, uh, 25th and 26th. Very cool. Check it out. Uh, then there's a, there's a little festival. What? Cajun K- and uh, Sudeco. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. Zydeco. Zydeco, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on Saturday the 26th um, of September also uh, from 4 to uh, 11.30. Uh, let's see if they can stay open that late. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, And this is uh, where the sort of uh, bands uh, and uh, the, the the community here in, uh, in Denmark in Copenhagen around mm. Cajun and Sidico 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 has sort of uh, come together and made this mini festival. I'd uh, say that's a small society. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, yeah. That, but it sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, there'll be workshops, foods, and a lot of music. And for yeah, those of yeah. you who don't know what Sidico uh, is. Uh, it's a music genre that uh, evolved in uh, Southwest Louisiana by French Creole speakers, uh, with blends blues, uh, rhythm and blues, and music uh, indigenous to the Louisiana Creoles and the native people of Louisiana. I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah, I that think sounds it sounds really cool. super cool. Yeah, uh, Cajun food is amazing. Yes, the, like the music. So yeah, I think that sounds uh, very very cool. Yeah. Um, finally, if you're not into uh, art networks or uh, music and uh, Cajun food, then go watch some pictures because uh, the World Press Photo um, uh, is uh, happening at Puching's Hoos on Friday the 25th. And you can see, yeah, World Press Photos and sort of some of the, the best pictures taken from 2020. Um, hmm. So I've done that once and I, was, I thought that was quite cool. Actually. Pretty, 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 pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yes. Very good. Very nice tips. I like them. I like them a lot. Yes. And uh, that's that's uh, that's, uh, that's pretty much a show, I think. I, I'm I'm pretty I'd damn sure that's I'd a show. I put a bow on it and call it a show. You want to talk about my sofa a little bit, or no? We're good. We're, we're good. good. Yeah, yeah, sure? yeah, yeah. I've, I've yeah. done sofa talk. Okay, sofa talk 2020. <laughs> um, check out the podcast uh, on Spotify and iTunes and all those things. Uh, fun fun fact. Yeah. Fun fact. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. which is you know iTunes and stuff, we've asked people to um, to give us ratings and likes and everything. Yeah. And they have. They have in Liberia. In, Li- <laughs> in Liberia, I got a. <laughs> this is no joke. I got an email because we're we're like we were on a charting thing, so you like it informs us if our charts change and stuff like that from mm-hmm. place to place. 
And uh, we are, I, I'm not messing, we are number four in Liberia in podcasting for society and culture. Fucking, thank you, Liberia. We're number 68 in overall podcasts in Liberia. I I, I just, I knew we were going to resonate with people in Liberia. I, I've actually, I went, I, I found a Liberian expat Facebook page thing and like I've, 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 tried to join it and I'm like I'm searching Liberian <laughs> podcast like apps yeah, and like yeah. I'm trying to figure out what this is coping in uh, Copenhagen and Liberia yeah we could I branch mean, out we, oh, yeah I'm, fuck Sweden I'm, yeah I mean probably got more in common with Liberia I mean, oh yeah that's harsh sorry <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah we're 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 hitting the Liberia big time if, we, if you and I went down there we'd be superstars fucking eight. I mean like might as well give it a look um <laughs> but we'd like to change that and get some uh, get some ratings up here as well uh we've we've been we've been pretty good in the past yeah but I'd like to get better oh yeah I'd like to get better always better so uh give us a rating and uh tell your friends mm-hmm. and uh check out the Facebook page for the hot tips which Marys will be putting up this week yes I'm terribly sorry it was a very uh it was a busy weekend Busy weekend. I had l- many things to do. One of them was a ceramics course. Yeah, how was that? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was fun. They had nice coffee and uh, croissants when we showed up. It was at 10 a.m. in the morning, and yeah. I was already because I didn't have a coffee. I was like, my girlfriend was like, "No, we have to be there on time, and we're a bit late." And I was like, "But I need a coffee." And she said, they'll have coffee there. They're gonna have shit coffee. It was at 10 a.m. and you didn't get a coffee. How? What did you wake up at like 10 to 10? I did the dishes, and I you couldn't have a coffee. No, because. My girlfriend was in the shower. Get pretty. So I did I not have a none shower. Of th- none of this makes sense. That you, that none of this is stopping you making... Co- anyway, anyway you have a coffee I, I, machine. Yes, I've I know. But I did, I did not prioritize correctly. I decided to do the dishes, which was my mistake. Yep. And uh, I was kind of hoping to have a coffee on the way. Right. Uh, but then we ran a little bit late. And right. they didn't. But they had... And I was like, they're gonna have shit coffee. They had amazing coffee. Yeah. They had one of those Belletti big uh, sort of Italian ones. So there was like getting like a nice mm, espresso. Uh, besides that, uh, the course was, yeah, it was okay. Like this isn't Absalon now. No, 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 no. Because Absalon do no. the pottery making. Yeah. Stuff. Okay, right, right. Uh, Potter, Potter, uh, Shout out to Absalon, nice guys. We've had him on before. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but uh, I did, I did uh, score pretty big. I, uh, I've got uh, a, a coffee cup, a cereal bowl, uh, some kind of uh, vase thing that I've made. Yeah. Uh, and a, a little tiny plate. For uh, that could fit three cookies, <laughs> and I got to do our whole thing was because it, it was kind of our one year anniversary. And we wanted to do the whole, you know, the scene from Ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one where uh, Whippy Goldberg freaks out that uh, Patrick Stewart's in not Patrick Stewart, what's his name? <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze's in in our living room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great film. Great film. <laughs> that classic scene. Classic scene. Yeah, but there's also a scene with Demi Moore and and Patrick Swayze is her former no. Pat- is it Patrick Swayze? Yes, it's Patrick. Is it so Patrick? It's Patrick. Right. Okay. Yes, and and he he sort of comes from behind yeah, as yeah. a ghost, and she's she's doing this this part we all know thing it. on the wheel. We all know it. And if yes. you don't know it, you got to go check it out. Yes. Yeah. It's a great film. Anyway, but uh, 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 sadly uh, we could not sit together and get uh, uh, physical physical with it. Uh, <laughs> but the instructor did uh, lean on me and uh, uh, covered my uh, my uh, my favorite shirt. Favorite shirt and clay. No. Yes. <laughs> But uh, it, it was it was it was fun doing something different. Absolutely, absolutely. I absolutely. Rec- that's another hot tip. Do something out of your comfort zone. Try it out. Just don't wear a nice shirt. Just don't wear a nice shirt. Please. All right, that's the show. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>